Just a little bit of a disclaimer before I start this homily. Some of this homily might be scandalous. Uh, you might be scandalized, and uh, that's okay. But uh, I just want you to know right from the beginning. And I'm sure a lot of you are like, what is he going to talk about? It's coming. Don't worry. Final words of the first reading are, Joshua mowed down Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. I love that because there's some of these readings where we say crazy stuff like that and then we say the word of the Lord and everybody says, thanks be to God. That we just said thanks be to God to the words that a man slaughtered an entire people. How do we make sense of that into the Christian message? I think uh, early church fathers, the first theologians of the church can give us an insight. One of them is named Origen. And he said this, in the Bible... Israelites stand for what is good and right in, our, in us, in our communities. Israel stands for the grace and the purpose of God. Therefore, all the enemies of Israel, the Egyptians, the Jebusites, the Amalekites, the Persians, the Babylonians, are symbolic for the forces that are opposed to God. You all know this, right? When you read the books of the Bible, you don't read them all in a historical venue, right? With the the glasses of history. They all have different ways of being read. There is no one way to read the Bible. And in this one, he's telling us that symbolically, Israel is the good. Everything opposed to Israel is the bad. And that's why God says that we must annihilate this. Cut it all off. Destroy everything in your heart that is opposed to God. And that's why Origen then says, we shouldn't be surprised that the Bible is a book of battles. Because God is waging war throughout the entire of history against those things that hurt us. That hurt us. And we must fight, and it must be an unconditional surrender from the enemy. In the Civil War, Ulysses S. Grant demanded an unconditional surrender from the Confederates. In World War II, Roosevelt and Churchill demanded an unconditional surrender from the Axis powers. Why? Because they knew if you bargained, if you compromised with evil, it would sooner or later come back and destroy you. And it's the same in our life. If we just sort of compromise with the enemy. And when I say enemy, I want you all to understand I'm talking about three things. The devil, for sure, obviously. I'm also talking about the world. The philosophical ideologies of the world that are being pressed upon us. And then finally, I'm talking about you. Your own ego. You know, it says you can be your own worst enemy, right? So those are the three things I'm talking about. And if we just sort of compromise with the things we suffer with, make excuses for our sins, they'll eventually destroy us. And it's funny because we wouldn't do this in any other place in life, right? If you think of like, if I, if I was diagnosed with cancer and I went in for surgery and the doctor after surgery came, he's like, great news, we got 50% of it. I would be like, that's not good enough. You were supposed to get all of it. Why did you leave 50%? Or I don't know, I can't remember if it's AT&T or it's these recent commercials, you know, the one with the, the guy sitting there, he's like, hey, how is Dr. So-and-so? And she's like, oh, he's okay. And he's like, okay. And he comes walking by, he's like, guess who just got reinstated? And he's like, you worried about this? He's like, yeah, I'm terrified. He's like, yeah, me too. Don't worry, we'll figure it out in there. 
Like, we don't put up with that. Okay is just not good enough in this life. It shouldn't be good enough in the spiritual life. Now, this is where it could get scandalous. What I'm noticing is, is that we as a church, for the most part, I'm not going to say everybody, we as a church have made a compromise with evil. We have. And it's killing us. It's killing us. It's killing my generation, the older generation. But most specifically, it's really killing the kids. Your children, your grandchildren. And what I'm talking about is screen time. We have made a compromise with the enemy when it comes to screen time. I'm talking about video games. I'm talking about social media. I'm talking about movies. I'm talking about TV. I'm talking about anything that you're looking at a screen. And it's been bothering me, troubling me deeply. I know I mentioned last week uh, that I went to the movie The Joker. And as I said, I would not recommend that movie for children or even maybe teenage kids. I went because I'm a grown man and I love psychology and I love masterful acting, all of which I saw in that movie. But sitting beside me was a mom with her five-year-old boy. What is she thinking? What are we thinking? I would say to you, if your children have access to a phone, a computer, anything with absolutely no type of filter, anything like that, you're no better than that woman in that theater. Screen time is one of the most dangerous things that we have made a compromise with. I don't know about this, but uh, you guys know who Bruno Mars is? Okay, so Bruno Mars is an idiot in my, you know, like, I mean, his music is not, he can dance and he's got cool, you know, moves, but his music is just stupid. But he won six Grammys in 2018 for Song of the Year with the song, That's What I Like. Now, I want to read you just the chorus of that song. This is the number one song in America in 2018. What is being piped into all of your radios, homes, whatever, podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, is this. I got a condo in Manhattan, baby girl. What's happening? I told you, stupid lyrics. You and your blank, I'm going to use the word backside, but you and your blank are invited, so get on and start clapping. Pop it for a player, pop it for me. Turn around and drop it for a player, drop it for me. Really? Don't say that in church, Father. Why? It's being proclaimed from the rooftops out there. And what are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? And what's being taught at home? What has precedence? Virtue? Faith? Prayer? That's my hope. But more often than not, I see what's the highest good is sports. Hands down. Parents can drive 100 miles to get on time for a sports game. God forbid they even miss warm-ups. But coming to church, showing up on time, too hard. Too hard. I had a kid, and I know, I had a kid, when I, when I taught over at St. Mary's, it was, it was uh, Lent, and we were on a ski trip, and it was Friday, and we went to a pizza place, and he's like, oh, 
I can't eat meat. Like this meltdown. And he was a beast wrestler. And I was like, really? You can't eat meat. You got to fast from meat. You don't have to fast from pizza. You have to fast from meat. I said, what's the longest you've ever fasted as a wrestler? Three days, Father. (laughs) Three days for the sport of wrestling? Zero. Not even pepperoni. For Almighty God. We can do better. My gosh, can we do better. What we need is the buildup of the family and not the family disconnect. Young kids and adolescents right now are not learning what it means to be a man or a woman from parents, grandpa, grandma, aunts and uncles. You know where they're learning it from? Hollywood. They're learning it from Hollywood. They're learning it from their peers. Don't believe me? Ask a kid to do any Fortnite dance. They can do them all. They're really good at it. Because that's what they do. That's what they spend their time with. And the violence in video games is getting worse and worse and worse. In the popular game Grand Theft Auto, you can hijack a car, beat the guy that you took the car from, then you outrun the cops, you crash into all types of stuff, break the law, steal money to buy more stuff, and get this, if that's not enough, you can actually buy a prostitute on the game. And then you can beat her up and take your money back. And that's what's being given to our kids. Call of Duty, what is it? Constant bloodshed, constant warfare, constant anger and aggression. Halo, Fortnite, Assassin's Creed. One of the objectives in one of the Assassin's Creed is to kill the Pope. Who's the worst guy in the game? And on top of all of this, the most popular video game, Fortnite, offers these constantly changing scenes and characters. On the multiple player screen, you have to constantly be looking left, right, up, down. You're always ready for an enemy to come to you. You know what that causes in young kids? ADD, ADHD. I'm not making this up. This is proven by psychologists. Half of this homily isn't even mine. What are we doing about it? Because researchers are finding that more and more time you spend playing video games, the more likely you are unable to have sustained concentration on anything. And we wonder why Ridland's getting out like candy to our kids. What are we doing about it? And on top of this, their morality shot. They did a a, a study. They had group A and group B, both control groups. And they were both, group A and group B, were intact families, believing, practicing, worshiping Christians. For three years, they let the kids on this side play Madden, NHL, whatever, all the sports video games. On this side, they let them play Halo, Fortnite, Call of Duty, Grand Theft Auto. After three years, control group B had completely lost their morals. They had no moral compass anymore. Half of them had ADD. The guys in group A, not so bad. And yet, what I see time and time again, a kid starts complaining, a starts whining, here's an iPad. Here's my phone, just be quiet. I'm trying to watch the game. And our poor young women, I want, I want you to just bear with me here. Okay, imagine a girl living in ancient times. Go all the way back to 1999. 
Because it is. That's ancient times now. Think about how different things are from when I graduated high school until now. It's insane. And it's not moving any slower. It's moving faster. In 1999, I remember many girls in my high school class, they had what we called a diary. They wrote in it. It was this book. And they wrote and wrote and they had people they hated and people they liked and guys they were attracted to. And, and it was kept under lock and key. Nobody looked at that. And often the younger brother would find it and show it to all of his friends and she'd be terribly embarrassed. But it's good that she was writing in that book because she was, she was living. She was working through things. Now, now that's not the case. Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, the, di- the diary is, it's not lock and key. It's completely exposed for everyone to see. 20 years ago, the majority of women kept some sort of book that was their own, where they worked through their troubles. And when kids look at social media, no one posts a five-page essay about what they want to be when they grow up. You know what they post? They post pictures. And they post a lot of them. Did you know that girls post 500% more photos than boys? 500. And the photos are different. Because boys, let's say a boy and a girl go to a football game. The boy goes to a football game, he's taking pictures of the football game, pictures of the cute cheerleader when she's not looking, pictures of his buddies doing stupid stuff behind the stands. You know what the research has found overwhelming with girls? The phone is turned on themselves. And they begin to perform. I saw this. I was just in Rome. I am not making this up. I was was in the the square of the Pantheon. And there was a girl that I was watching. I I had to wait for a group. And they they were like a half hour late. For a half hour, I watched this young woman with a selfie stick take I don't know how many pictures. And it was, she was the same picture. But she was like fluffing her. And then she like, and she. And why girls do that, I don't know. So if anybody wants to explain that after mass, you know, what's with the lips, but. And she would take the picture and then she would look at it. Oh, it's just, oh, oh. And it, it was, you know, fluff the hair. Why, what's she doing? She's, pri- she's trying to be noticed. She's trying to tell everybody, I'm having a fun time in Rome. And you know what? She's not. I thought it was kind of funny because I was trying to photobomb every once in a while. <laughs> I'd walk past and be like. <laughs> Just because it's so stupid. And here's the thing. The more time, this is psychologically proven, the more time we spend on social media, especially girls, But boys too, but especially the more depressed they become. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. If you're constantly trying to perform, there's nothing wrong with performing. You just got to realize that at some point the performance is going to come to an end. And you got to take your mask off and be who you really are. But they don't do that. They just keep performing and performing and performing. My friends, this stuff is against God. I would even call it anti-Christ. And why would I say that? Because it destroys the human person, the flourishing of the human person. Another one, pornography. I'm going to talk about that in a couple weeks. Girls have all the problem with social media. Boys have all the problem with porn. 
What are you doing for your family, for yourself, for your kids, your grandkids, whoever? What are you doing? Because St. Irenaeus said the glory of man or the glory of God is man fully alive. Do we as a society seem fully alive? I think we're superficial and barely surviving. That's what I think. Superficial and barely surviving. How are we going to combat this? As Joshua mowed down the Amalekites, how do we mow down the social world? I got it all the exits, a piece of paper. Just pick one up. I want you to take home and read through it. It's all the things, guidelines you can do with your kids, things that you can download to protect your phones, your computers. We got to do something. Please. I'm begging you. Do something. And don't sit back and say, oh, my kids don't do that. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Some not as bad as others, but they're, they're all in this world. One last point. Sorry this is long, but I, I, got, I told you I was going to get fired up today. And I don't yell and scream because I, I hate you. I yell and scream because I love you. And I want you to be holy, and I'm excited about being holy, and I'm mad about all the stuff that's hurting us. But the last point of this, in that reading we heard today at the very end of that chapter, it says this, Yahweh will battle Amalek through the ages. I thought Joshua mowed down Amalek with the sword. I haven't seen Amalek on CNN or Fox, have you? No mention of the Amalekites recently. Again, what is this saying? God will battle the forces opposed to him until the end of time. And he expects us, the new Israel, to fight with him, to fight for him. And so with St. Paul in the second reading, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, to proclaim the word. Be persistent, whether it is convenient or inconvenient. Convince, reprimand, encourage through all patience and teaching and fight the good fight of faith so that you may win the crown of glory. Don't think about it. Don't consider it. Do it.